Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea coming to you sort of live from Bend, Oregon at Foot Zone. And I am joined, I don't have a co-host. I have though with me Lauren Fleshman and her husband, Jesse Thomas, pro athletes. Thank you for joining us and being here. So, and delighted to be here with a live audience. (laughs) Wow, look at that. What a reception. (laughs) Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is where we, uh, not here in Foot Zone, but Bend is where we originally, the only other time we've ever met, Lauren. It's true, at the uh, Happy Girls Half. Yes, and you were with Baby then. I was. I was carrying her internally at that time. Yeah, him, yes. (laughs) Him. Sorry, I forgot about him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was a while ago. Oh, that one. Six years. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. What it's like to be a mother runner. Yeah, you're like, hi, I'm Sarah from Another Mother Runner. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Thank thank God you didn't. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So now, Jesse, you are a native of Bend, right? I was uh, born and raised. I like to say I'm like a unicorn. I'd say so. I mean, this is... Tell people who don't know of Bend, Oregon, why that is um, Yeah. Uh, ni- so 1980, um, there, you know, I'd have to look up in the, in the actual books, but I'd like to say around 15,000 people here. So Population, it's, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. so it's nine times probably what it was then. Teague might be able to, somewhere around that range, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's grown a lot. My, and my dad and my dad's family moved here in 1951. So oh, that, my I mean, goodness. So we're talking... And Real there were probably like school. three families then or something yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. it's very, uh-huh. very small. So yeah, uh-huh. it's cool to see. Uh, love it here. Um, you know, obviously we're, we're back here now and we love it. And it's cool to see it grow. Uh-huh. There's a, there's, there are some things that are a pain in the ass, but uh-huh. you know. All the roundabouts? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I actually like, I like. <laughs> you do, you like the roundabouts. As an efficiency guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The mm-hmm. Roundabouts. It's harder in tourist season that. when people don't know how yeah, to yeah. use one. But. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. So t- I guess even tell people what a roundabout is. I mean, I grew up on the East Coast of New England where there's a lot of roundabouts, but bigger roundabouts. These ones are kind of small mm. and almost quaint, but still they're in lieu of a, st- a four-way stop or um, a traffic light. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's it makes a lot of sense to a person like myself. <laughs> you don't myself. have to stop and wait. You don't, you just, yeah go in you just kind of look you're like hey if nobody's there you bam, merge, I'm going and then straight you right signal there. but you yeah. do have to when stop if there is somebody coming. yeah yeah yes. there's somebody yeah, that's yeah. a good call lauren that you have to signal no, you're when supposed you're to signal on the way out that's yes. the problem yes. that, that a lot of tourists don't do they don't signal on the way out and then mm-hmm. what that means is the next person yielding mm-hmm. ends up stopping when they don't need to stop correct if they knew you were yeah. going to leave they could just carry on with their life exactly and then the whole system is broken yeah yeah. <laughs> it's really frustrating. I'd have happens. to say, but even a broken roundabout's better than a stoplight, <laughs> yeah. honestly. But and also our UK listeners could relate to this. There's a lot of roundabouts there and yeah. that's tricky cuz then you're driving on as a American driver driving on the left. Oh yeah. And that makes yeah, and they have I did some of those, lane roundabouts. The mm-hmm. multiple lane going the wrong way with a stick shift. Mm. Where the stick oh, shift's not where you reach for thing. it yeah. and you have to downshift <laughs> at the wrong hand. That was super sketchy. <laughs> when yeah. my husband and I drove in the UK, we'd always when we got behind the wheel of the car, we'd always what are we doing? We're driving on the left. Just always <laughs> yeah. check in with yeah, each other. Like, oh when um, one time I was training in Spain at, when I was still a professional athlete and their roundabouts <laughs> compared to our roundabouts were, um, we just called them weed holes <laughs> where we were. because here they like put little statues and rock gardens right. and things like that. But there it was literally just a, like a weed hole. Like that's what it was just like a big 
bunch of weeds growing up. <laughs> At least in the part that we were in, I was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> in Oregon, weed hole means something completely different. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Speaking of that, um, so Alex and I, Alex, podcast producer, uh, and I drove out from Portland today, and we were stunned by how many were thinking they were hemp plants, how many hemp farms we drove by on the way out here. I've never noticed that's how. <laughs> so I, um, does everybody know? I mean, there's a lot between here and Sisters, which is a very uh, quaint town, what, a 20-minute drive away? And um, at first I thought those were uh, uh, small Christmas trees on a Christmas tree farm because you do see those, you know, in Oregon, which are strange people who aren't from Oregon to see Christmas tree farms because, yes, Virginia, they do have to grow Christmas trees. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and Alex like, nope, that, that's weed. <laughs> and when we were driving down I-5, even with the windows rolled up, you could kind of get that CBD oil taste in your mouth. Um, That's so funny. I've just like never noticed. It's like one of those things when your kid is growing day by day in front of your eyes. You don't see it. Like the fields have all turned over from soy to weed. I like have no idea. Just Maybe we're just attention. constantly walking around with a CBD taste in our mouth. <laughs> right. Right. It's exactly. part of the reason everyone's so different. happy. And you bend. get off yeah. the plane and bend, you yeah. know, and it's like pine, so feels, sage, CBD. I feel great. Yeah. <laughs> well, they all kind of taste the same. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, so I'm going to mainly ask you all questions. Okay. So, yeah. So let's start Are with Are we the, allowed to flip it? Most definitely. <laughs> okay. Yes. okay. Cool. Yes. Um, so, all right. Well, let's start with an easy one. Um, remind us the ages of your two children. Hmm. Jude is six. I can confirm. Yep. <laughs> Six. And the one that loves you most is how old? Oh, that's not true. Uh, she, Zadie is almost, will be two in October. I'd like to say she doesn't get enough airtime with her name mm. because on your Wikipedia page, Lauren, it just says they have a baby daughter. She oh, really? She doesn't have a name and it says... I'm it just impressed says, somebody Jude's updated full, it. <laughs> it gives his, even his middle name. Wow. Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. All right. Well, whatever fan was there then right. is no longer <laughs> around. on that, please? <laughs> we lost interest. <laughs> um, so, all right. And then how long have you lived back here in Bend? Uh, right before Jude was born. Yeah. So March of 2013. Yep. Oh, so yeah. that was right before I saw you. So was, Yeah, really close. Year. You made a lot of changes in one year. Definitely. And when I arrived, it was juniper pollen season, but I didn't know that was a thing. Mm. We have this major burst of juniper pollen here, and I'm a pretty allergic person in general. Mm-hmm. And so I just assumed... It was pregnancy, and when you Google anything <laughs> while you're pregnant, like, uh-huh. why can't I breathe? <laughs> why am I sneezing constantly? Why do I have to scratch my eyes out? It was just like, everything's normal when you're pregnant. <laughs> I was oh, no. like, oh. And then finally someone goes, I think it's the juniper pollen. Oh. So, yeah, that helped a lot. Yeah, so you didn't have to just suffer in silence until you weren't pregnant I figured anymore. it out. Now I just do preventative Zyrtec uh-huh. starting in February. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I find that allergies get worse after having kids. Oh, uh, yeah, a lot of things are worse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a lot of things are better, too, Lauren. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, well, okay, so well, then that leads into then um, the, their, your injury, which you feel is partly due to kind of a malingering pregnancy-related thing? Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I got injuries before I was pregnant, but they always seem to be more like stress fractures, mm-hmm. which have a pretty defined timeline, six to eight weeks. You know, you do what the doctor says. They usually go away. Um, but the new thing that happened with pregnancy with Jude, I was running when I was pregnant. Nothing crazy, like 
I don't know, three to six miles, five days a week or something. And I was doing some trail running right at the edge of when the doctor said I should stop trail running. And I ended up um, getting Achilles tendonitis, Mm. which was something as a professional track athlete, I always thought was more associated with running in spikes and running really fast all the time, Mm. or maybe starting out as a new runner and kind of your tissues are still adapting. But I was running a third of the mileage and you know, way slower and just like relaxed. So I was really surprised to get Achilles tendonitis, but the doctor was like, you know, tendons and ligaments, Mm -hmm. those are the things that get uh, looser and more vulnerable when you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. So that ended up kind of taking a year and requiring surgery. And then with, that was kind of honestly the thing that ended up precipitating an early retirement. Um, And then with Zadie, I got a similar type of injury, but where the hamstring attaches. So mm-hmm. I think that for me, pregnancy and uh, tendons, they don't get along super well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a bummer. It's mm-hmm. one of those things that makes it a little bit tough to be like as present as you'd like to be when the thing that is your, um, like your me time and your like, I don't know, the thing that's so important for your mental health running, um, that helps balance out all the needs of the giving with pregnancy or with children and stuff. Um, when you can't do that. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's been a really tough identity shifting year. Mm. Um, Zadie's amazing. She's spunky and she fights back and like, she's just such a interesting, amazing kid. And obviously we love having her in our life. So this is purely from the, like, I'm thinking about me, selfish perspective. I want to run, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, my identity as a runner and my enjoyment of running is a big part of who I am. So I am looking forward to my body healing and trying to just be patient and, um, there's so little research out there about what mm. it really takes for women to women's bodies to get back to, uh, feeling kind of like durable and robust. And it's so individual woman to woman. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's just something that I'm kind of trying to release and really have faith that like the body will heal. I can't tell you how long it'll take, but it will heal. Mm-hmm. And, and just trying to kind of let it go and, mm-hmm. and focus on what I can do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing for, for uh, to try to make it get better? <sighs> Pastries? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. What specific type of pastry? Uh-huh. Ocean rolls. <laughs> Five times a week, 20 minutes a day, pastries. It's kind of true. Too much coffee, a little too much beer. No, um, I don't know. <laughs> this is like going to be so sad if I really go into this, but I also injured my shoulder skiing, Aww. so I can't swim really, and I can't really do yoga. Um, so I'm still looking. I'm looking for the activity I can do. I can't aqua jog. She's <laughs> she's doing a lot of... Um, Why can't you aqua jog? Because with the hamstring attachment, oh. anytime your hip is in flexion and you push your feet down, mm-hmm. like you extend your hamstring, um, it hurts. So swimming would be perfect because your hip is not flexed. Mm-hmm. You're flat. Mm-hmm. And then you use mm-hmm. your legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't use my shoulder. So I could kickboard indefinitely. But I just... I mm-hmm. kind of would just rather be sedentary. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, boy, there's nothing slower than kickboarding. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh there are God. some people that can really motorboat well, you can it. really but... swim, you can really kickboard, yeah. but I'm not one of those oh. people. <laughs> so what I just decided to do, I just hosted a wilder retreat, which is yeah. a running and writing retreat. And I did a lot of writing myself at the retreat. And it was super therapeutic. And I ended up kind of going, you know, what I need is, I can't really be super physically active right now, but what I can do is create like um a schedule for myself and I can chip away at building something 
bigger, which is essentially what a training plan is, right? Mm -hmm. You go out every day and you do this thing that in and of itself is worthwhile for your mental health and your physical health, but you stack together day after day and you, you build something, right? Like you build preparation for a half marathon or marathon or 5k or whatever. And, um, and so I'm going to do that with writing. So Mm -hmm. today was the first day back from Wilder and I followed through with my goal, which was to write for an hour and I'm going to write, I'm going to build up this week to two hours. I'm going to write for two hours a day and really work towards, um, completing the first draft of my memoir. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I feel good about it. Wow. And so do you have a deal book deal for that? No, I'm just kind of just keeping it, keeping it close to my heart for now. Yeah. Oh, it's all kind of jump. I mean, people must be very excited and they, they want to know when they could see it. Do you like, I mean, I would love to think that I would this time next year, I would be, you know, doing a Uh pre-sale of some kind and Uh have it, have it ready to roll. That'd be Uh a dream. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, and I love the the whole idea of a schedule because having been injured with a fractured ankle, I know what it's, you know, that missing that. And so to go from one hour to two hour, I mean, it's the same, you obviously can't run walk it, but do you have like a, so are you going to do an hour 15 tomorrow or an hour 30? (laughs) I think I'll probably do an hour again for a Uh couple days. Um, Just based on the realistic schedule. You know, when I go to a retreat or have a big work function where I travel and Jesse does the lion's share of the family responsibilities there's a little bit of needing to kind of even that back out and give Mm -hmm. him a little bit more space for a few days and then he does the same for you know for me if Mm -hmm. I take over the kids for a long weekend he comes back he tries to take over a little bit of extra to give me some breathing room so for these few days this kind of work week um I don't feel like more than an hour is realistic but Mm -hmm. you know probably first thing Monday morning I'll be doing two hours Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. So Jesse, let's bring you into the conversation, back into the conversation. Mm-hmm. So for that, that I'm intrigued that, that you all have that kind of symbiotic, you know, okay, so you carried a little bit more of the lion's share. And so she's being cognizant, Lauren's being cognizant of not um, over, quote unquote, overburdening you this week. I mean, is that something that the two of you sit down and plan out on paper? Is it something you just like text each other? Is it just like this like... I think we just naturally telepathy. figured it all out just uh-huh. right away. <laughs> there were definitely no fights. <laughs> uh, like, I don't know what's wrong, but I'm mad. Uh, there's, you know, we've gone we've gone through years and years of uh, negotiation to lump a lot of things into with one attorneys word. or without attorneys. <laughs> yeah, so um, far without. mediation. Yeah. yeah, and so um, you know, we and we've gone through different phases of our lives. Uh, you know, when. Lauren and I first uh, became a, a kind of a, a permanent-ish couple uh, when we got engaged and then and then married. Lauren was a professional athlete. I was a guy going to business school, and um, I think I was probably more on the support side, at least of the athletic side of her career. And then um, and then her career kind of was in the peak of its arc, and my career was kind of starting. And then they kind of crossed paths a little bit when hers was kind of at the twilight and mine kind of moved into its peak around the time that uh, she had Jude. And so I think we have done a good job of, um, you know, and very much so with a lot of mistakes, but have, have done a good job of kind of navigating those career arcs at, at in kind of a macro scale, but then also creating kind of micro, um, you know, uh, cycles within those two where I have a big race or a big focus part of my season. And there's a little bit more support coming from Lauren for that. I can, I'm a little bit more absent from 
um, the family duties and then vice versa for uh, things that are important to her. Um, but yeah, very much like a ton of communication. And a little bit of marriage counseling. <laughs> a little bit of marriage counseling, you know, f- arguments and there's, there's a lot to f- unpack there. Um, and we s- still don't have it all figured out. I feel like but, we're doing pretty good though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you two seem to leave a lead a very examined life, which I admire. That you that you aren't just letting the. It's so easy to let the day to day just kind of slide by, and you all seem to fly up to thirty thousand feet, and and that you can even you know talk about the arc of your all's two careers, like you know peaks and valleys, complementing each other, and you know kind of coming in like waves. I mean, so talk about that. How you know is that something you all naturally fall into, or is that something you've had to work on? I think that the years and years of competitive sports have Mm. shaped our brains permanently in that way. I mean, everything is kind of like this long-term view of what you'd like to accomplish as an athlete and then this short-term cycles of renewal and getting a chance to reevaluate and then commit, reevaluate and commit, reevaluate and commit that comes with sports. And I feel like both of us have always really treated our relationship like the long game yep. that we need to continue to reevaluate and reevaluate. And when we got married, we were very much like two individuals yeah. who were looking for somebody who wasn't going to like screw up our stuff, yeah. <laughs> but also we could share a good life with yeah, but a we companion both... that wouldn't like get in the way. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, that sounds probably super so weird romantic, to people, so. but we, <laughs> Both of us were like pretty gun shy on relationships prior yeah. to that because it just felt like I don't want to have to cut off my left arm in order to be in partnership with somebody. You know, I really want to be able to be who I am. And and that's tough. You know, it takes somebody for me when I saw Jesse's drive and determination in what he was doing, it was such a, a attractant to me because I was like, he gets it. He knows how I am. But I also was really attracted to him and um, him a little bit to me. Uh, it took me a while to win him <laughs> over. But, um, <laughs> but I just kind of thought I want to I always want to feel like myself. And, and that creates its own problems in relationship too, you know, because you're kind of like, okay, it's two people who really have their individual things they care deeply about and are committed to and have committed to supporting each other through those. But sometimes those start to pull you apart. You're not really on like parallel tracks. They can pull you apart. And that was one of the things we intentionally put in our marriage vows was like, we are, uh, we wouldn't bother getting married at all if we didn't feel like there would be so, hopefully some amazing thing that happens when you live your life alongside another person and you get to share that shared history for decades. Right. And so we wanted that. We wanted that with our, we wanted to at least work towards that in our life. And, um, and we were realistic in knowing that, yeah, we want to be our own people, but we're going to have to at times commit to saying no to things that are going to take us too far astray. Mm. You know, like we'd like to minimize the number of times we have to do that so we can really feel true to ourselves but there will be times when we need to do that and there have been you know like you went to to business school at university of oregon because i was there and you might have gone to stanford or something like that otherwise but you did you did that yeah i think we've 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 definitely both made um you know sacrifices within the the guise of you know where we trying to go like kind of what's our north star mm-hmm. and you make these these little pivots along the way the, the the analogy or the metaphor that we used when we got married was like two vines kind of growing uh next to each other up a up up a 
walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And there are there are times when they're divergent and there are times when they're convergent, but they they mostly weave, you know, next to each other as they're growing along. And um I think that our relationship has been has been very much like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I mean I still feel no pressure, you don't have to agree, but I still feel <laughs> super energized and motivated to have that long story you know Mm -hmm. and so i feel like everyone i ever talk to says having young kids is one of the hardest things on a relationship especially if you if you're like negotiating things and trying to both work and like all these things but i think it's hard for everybody and but i think in the times that we've had a tough time it's easy for us to to resolve it when we're like hey we want the same thing like we would love to have this long story together Mm -hmm. and um and so we just have to make our way to Mm -hmm. the solution you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. And do you find you all are have so many business interests? I mean, you, so you have the podcast, you have Picky Bars, you're involved with Wazelle, you know, you're, you're writing. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse, you know, you are a, a pro athlete, um, and I'm sure you have other interests as well. I don't know your, your story as well. But mm-hmm. so that, I mean, do you feel that working, having work projects, shared work projects like the podcast help you have that long story together? I feel like the podcast has been very helpful. Uh, as we've said on our podcast many times before, it's it's literally some weeks it's the only hour that we actually get to sit down and talk to each other, <laughs> like away completely uninterrupted, yeah, away mm-hmm. from our kids. And so that that has been great. Um, having picky bars together, <laughs> I, you know, there have been some benefits to that, and there have been a lot of really really massive strains on the relationship as a result of that as well i feel so like picky bars if... never would have existed yeah. and gotten to the place that it is that we're both so proud of without us being in partnership yes in those first like six yeah. or seven years we both brought very unique mm-hmm. kind of skill sets and drive to the beginning of it yeah yeah mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. and then i mean part of it is or like the phase we're in now is i'm a person that likes to create new things and i'm less interested in being involved in like the maintenance of a thing or the kind of more nuanced um, turns in the road. And and like the, the problems that Jesse solves every day as the CEO of Picky Bars are things that like just scare the shit out of me that I'm totally either not interested in or scared of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he loves them. He thrives in it. Mm-hmm. So it, it is... Um, the best thing we could do at this stage of our marriage and the business is for him to really run the company as the CEO and for me to be a supportive advisor. But I don't, I'm not involved in like the day-to-day operations. Like Mm -hmm. if there's something where my skill set is uniquely fit to help, then Mm -hmm. it's like all systems go to help Mm -hmm. with that. But other than that, I do, I do different projects. Yeah. And I have to be really, and we've worked through this and talked through this a lot. I have to be really cognizant about what I bring home and what I don't from 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 the office because of that uh you know picky bars is still a small company but it's it's big enough and it's big enough within the context of lauren and i and and steph our other Mm co-founder still owning it and owning it entirely ourselves that it's uh the the swings with it financially or operationally or or whatever um can be scary Mm -hmm. because uh that you know it outweighs kind of our worth or personal assets or whatever it is on its own. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so you have to, I, I have to be super, you know, cognizant just like any partner would about, you know, kind of how much work you bring home, but particularly mm-hmm. when your wife is a co-owner 
in yeah. the business and that and like conversation about what's going well or what's going wrong can elicit all kinds of other type of you know right, fear and con- yeah totally exactly. like if yeah. i yeah. could just play years. like wife hat and mm-hmm. he's complaining yeah. about like a i don't know employee problem at work right mm-hmm. or something like, never happens never so, happens what does your wife hat look like now? <laughs> <laughs> is it a Would trucker my, it was yeah. a trucker hat for sure <laughs> maybe like one of those felt brim <laughs> ones and then you can go like that you can yeah. move your hand back and forth on it yeah i like yeah, that yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. i feel so like, like the wife hat would be this thing where you just like cross your hands underneath <laughs> and you just like i don't know just like open and close your eyes that's why like i don't kind of, of really paying attention but not really just like Did tell you me your problems honey yeah so, but, but it, there's literally but your nothing, brain is mostly shut yeah, off there's nothing point. he can talk about at work that i can just listen to passively you know what i mean because yeah, it's, it's our hard. business and like when right. we have to get a loan from the bank for something mm-hmm. we have to personally guarantee our home yeah. for that loan yeah so there's like we are the backstop so mm-hmm. if there's a problem at work, like even a little problem, you know, as someone that didn't grow up with much money and doesn't didn't grow up with experience around business and entrepreneurship and risk taking, little things like are like big alarm bells to me. I'm like, oh, what if they take our house? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like a total overreaction. Jesse's like, uh, you can relax. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean there is there's a certain, but you do, I mean that could happen. <laughs> you do, and you do you. And there's Don't a certain amount of not helping. We're recording a podcast. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> but there's a certain amount of as an entrepreneur, there's a certain amount of like compartmentalization that you just have to like naturally yep. build around your yeah. brain and just be like, okay, we're gonna get through it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And like anyway. that's why I never fantasized yeah. about being an <laughs> yeah, entrepreneur. <totally. laughs> but then it's fun. It's it's risky. It's you know it's hard work. I, I don't know. Yeah. So that well, that's where I that's feel, where the, we yeah. have divergent interests. Yeah. Uh-huh. Totally. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's the only one, though. <laughs> <laughs> so when you think about your writing projects, Lauren, do you ever think of writing a, a book about relationships or about, I mean, because it seems to me that you just listening to your podcast, you'd have so much advice to impart. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it'd be hard to top the sugars, you know, <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would, my dream is to write mm-hmm. for a living. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what I'd love to do. I'd love to have a shelf of things I've written and published one day uh-huh. and hopefully really enjoy that. I'm, I'm learning that I really love to spend time with my imagination. And I think that um, I just didn't know that. I didn't know that I liked spending time with my imagination until I had Jude because mm. Jude is like a real lost in the clouds kind of kid. Mm. It's You have to like basically physically turn his body towards you mm-hmm. and lift his eyelid and be like, Jude, Jude, <laughs> Jude, listen to me, listen to me. <laughs> because he's so lost in his head. And um, a lot of my hardest challenges with parenting is that I... I feel like I have a harder time than most of my girlfriends when it comes to not being able to complete a thought. Like Hmm. being interrupted is I think more jarring for me than it is for a lot of my peers. It it makes me so mad. And so I don't even know I'm lost in my head. I'm like making mac and cheese and apparently I'm having like a real imaginative stream and I don't even know it this is just me and my brain and then you know Jude comes and he's like bah, 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 bah. and J- Zadie's doing this and grabbing my leg and I just like have a rage reflex <laughs> and so <laughs> but I've just learned that it's that it's that it's like getting pulled out of a dream that's what it feels like to me so that this stage of parenting with little ones is is tough in that way because you mm-hmm. can't reason with them you can't you know you know what it's like you're mm-hmm. like you tell a kid like 
you need to wait your turn and say excuse me <laughs> like that doesn't happen <laughs> not until later so yeah yeah so that's tough but um but yeah that's that's one of the things that now that I know that about myself it makes me really excited to go into a desk in a room by myself and mm-hmm. write and just spend time with at first, non-fictional stories, you know, mm-hmm. as um, Mary Carr says, like spend time with people on the other side of the grass and like mm-hmm. erect parts of your previous world around you and spend all day there. I really am mm-hmm. excited about the process of memoir, mm-hmm. but then eventually I'd love to try to get into fiction too. And, mm-hmm. and I love hearing fiction authors talk about the way they spend time with their characters. And mm-hmm. even Jonathan Franzen just had this article in the um, interview where he was talking about once he's named a character Mm -hmm. like he spends a lot of time thinking about a book before he starts to write it and once a character has a name then Mm -hmm. the book takes on a completely different life like Mm -hmm. he knows he's going to really roll with it Mm -hmm. and I was just like that I can't identify with that because I've never written fiction but it just it sounded like something that I will experience one day like it felt like it was for me so that's Uh pretty cool Uh so growing up I always dreamed of writing fiction and it's just something I've never been able to to dive into and so you, I know, didn't didn't study. You don't have a real arts background. You don't have didn't study English at Stanford or anything like that. That um, so, how do you um, do? You think about taking writers' workshops? How do you think about honing that craft? Yeah. So I I've really taken to the Natalie Goldberg style of wild writing that she wrote about in Writing Down the Bones. It's probably like a thirty year old book now, but. Um, her theory that writing is democratic and that anyone can do it and that everyone has a voice and that her style of of free writing based on a timer and prompts and just writing the first thing that comes like Mm. learning to bypass the internal critic is a way to really hone into your powerful voice and your unique way of seeing the world and communicating and I just I feel like, yeah, you could get an MFA, but I have friends that have MFAs and they've been like, you know what, you don't need to get an MFA if you've got excess money and you have excess time go for it. But um, the most important thing is being passionate about telling your story and being willing to put your butt in the chair and um, and at least try that first and see how mm-hmm. that goes. So mm-hmm. I don't feel too intimidated by it. I, I feel like it's not that it's easy. It's mm-hmm. hard. Sure. It's yeah. hard. And, you know, I have writers block and come up with excuses to clean my house or like <laughs> do whatever like that, anybody that's else. That's what she's really good at. Really <laughs> good at. Excuses. Does she wear the white hat the, when she cleans the house? Well, no, just like the... Uh, <laughs> Like Lauren's really good at the like, I have so much stuff to do. I'm going to figure out how to rearrange our bedroom right now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel like I'm not alone in that. Um, Raise your hand if anyone else has procrastinated. There's always laundry to put in. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Into the dryer. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh I follow a lot of writers on social media too, and it seems like a pretty universal experience. It's hard to sit down and just do it. You know, you're like, that's why it's just like anything else. It's like running. People will sell, sell you all kinds of products that supposedly will make it easier for you to just get out the door, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but really you just have to get out the door, Mm -hmm. but like maybe a a different pair of shoes or like a nice shirt or, you know, the, the right goo or whatever Mm -hmm. is going to get you out the door. And it's great if that stuff can work sometimes as like a little boost and get you excited. But, um, but yeah, in the end, you don't actually need any of it. You just have to decide you want to do it and go do it, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. running and writing are the same in that way. And do you find leading your wild retreats that that helps you? Do you feel you get back something from leading those Absolutely. writing and writing retreats? Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's incredible. I mean, I started those with um, the author Marianne Elliott, and she was a human rights lawyer. She lives in New Zealand. She's an absolutely amazing all-star human being, um, and 
she really did the writing and I did the running and we co-created the arc of the retreat experience, which is just as much about helping women connect with their wilder self, like kind of get away from the caretaker role and the pleasing role and the looking for approval role that we're all sort of smashed into culturally from every single angle. And, you know, the kind of like, as um, the poet Mary Oliver says, all the like hands of people grabbing you saying, mend my life, you know, like all that. And just go on retreat for four days. And everything we do at the retreat is designed around asking yourself, what do you want? Like everything's an invitation. We have a curriculum and a schedule, but it's an invitation. And over the course of the four days, like it's very mindful the way we execute every single part of the retreat to help women be like, wow, I haven't heard from this. I haven't heard from this version of me in a really long time. Like that's the most common thing I hear after the retreat. The writing really helps with that. Like your own voice starts to reemerge mm-hmm. and um, it's, it's very powerful. So yeah, I, it rubs off on me. I do the writing right alongside everybody. So I'm going through my own reconnection um, with my voice when I do that. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah, awesome. Very nice. And you do that once a year or twice a year? Normally once or twice a year. This mm-hmm. year I have two big retreats and I tried something new called the Wilder Lab. So if you've been to a Wilder retreat um, and you're an alumni of that, we did smaller group ones. And so I had, I just had my second one last weekend of that. Mm -hmm. So it was 13 women on the first one and 10 women on the second one just kept really, really, really small. And we, we just went way deeper into the writing and Mm -hmm. went to like kind of the kind of trails you can do with a smaller group, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. And everybody had kind of like a shared past experience to start building from. So I, as a leader, have the confidence to get in deep right away because I know where everybody's been leading Mm -hmm. into it. Mm -hmm. It's interesting when you first said trails that a smaller group can go on. I thought you were speaking metaphorically. I'm like, oh, she's talking real about trail. (laughs) Like actual trails. (laughs) Like you have to have 12 or fewer people to do Green Lakes. (laughs) So we actually got to do Green Lakes with the 10 women this weekend. We lost two, three of them. They ran to sisters. <laughs> <laughs> kind of far away. <laughs> yeah. We found them. Missed a turn. We found them. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So now both of you are injured right now. Is that right, Jesse? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm, yep. I'm coming back from a foot injury four yeah. months ago. Yeah. Yeah. So how does that affect having both of you be on the injured list? How does that affect your relationship? I think it's great. <laughs> more sex. No. Yeah, yeah, well, that. Yeah. <laughs> you a know, little a little more tired. energy, less tired. Um, I don't know. I feel like it, it is a nice break from the, like, one person's really training for something, something, so the other person needs to pick up the family slack. Yeah. I feel like we've been really good at being in partnership. Yeah. You know? in, in general, I, we, you know, I've been transitioning away from my kind of full-time, you know, trying to race at a world-class level to – uh, to not really doing that for, for about a year. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the, the injury that I had was training for a, you know, as a really annoying Ironman triathlete would say only a marathon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, when he was like, so, I can't believe I broke my foot. I was just training for a marathon. <laughs> and like, so, <laughs> yeah, so it hasn't been, so I, I, I but, I, but realistically training for a marathon was significantly less training than what I was doing for Ironman stuff in terms of time Mm -hmm. and and energy. So we, we've been transitioning away from that. And then really the last four months since I've been hurt, um, has been maybe the first time we've both been together without 
like really specific athletic trajectory or athletic goals maybe ever. Mm-hmm. That's a good it's point. Kind of realizing that right yeah, now. Yeah, I could see so it it's in, your eye, I could see in your eyes. Yeah. Like the, like, whoa, weird. Yeah, yeah so, whoa, this is like maybe normal-ish life. I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I'm not really sure. We're seeing an I'm epiphany and not sure if maybe I like it. We started dating when I was 18. And you were 19? Uh, 20 I and kissed you, were, you on your 20th you birthday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aggressively. It didn't go well. <laughs> I thought it went fine. <laughs> so. <laughs> but anyway. I didn't have a problem with it. <laughs> um, yeah. So how did we get talking well, about that? Well, I was that? just thinking about how long <laughs> we've been together. Because bread, I'm, I'm going to be 38 next month. And so yep. that's 19 years. Yeah. So that's roughly half life. You know, yeah. half my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so for half my life, I have been in love with and partnered with someone who has had athletic goals and I've had athletic goals and we've been doing that navigating. So you it definitely is, weren't in love with me that entire time. <laughs> well, I didn't like you very much a couple of times, but were you dating the whole, have you dated consistently since then? Oh, I no. mean, like you all bro- took, <laughs> there's a, there, Jesse there broke are more up with stories me. than we want to go into. Jesse here. broke up with me after eight months twice. He called it the eight month monster. I called it. Mm idiocy yeah <laughs> say that but then we got back together no we didn't get back together after the second breakup you tried to get me back and i was like no i'm good yeah and then we were well and then yeah. i did try to get you back again a year later and then you said okay and then i came back and said no i'm just good. kidding <laughs> Switch and then is I a said, way longer story than we want to get yeah. into. Yeah, anyway, it's not, I think we didn't talk for a couple of years. We didn't the, talk. Yeah, for, actually, we didn't talk for a year. For about a year, we didn't yeah. talk, and then uh, and then we got back together. We and there kinda, were other people. Kind of gave you, in. You all each dated other people. We did. Yeah. He, him more successfully than me. Mm-hmm. Ain't that always the <laughs> yeah. truth? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're still. But here. Then we like had this resigned <laughs> conversation. I just I'll never forget it. I was uh, driving back from Mammoth towards San Francisco, mm-hmm. and I just called Which you a long drive. and broke the silence, our year-long silence. Yeah. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? I'm driving to San Francisco. And you were like, uh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it was super Since romantic. We were, no, I was no, like, we, we were, should get together Yeah, and, and we were talk. like, okay, cool. I'll see you tomorrow. And then, <laughs> and then we sat down, and then within... You dating anybody? Yeah. So what are you... No, no. And then it was like, well, I still kind of like love you, basically. And then... Well, I can do the theme music already. It was the same thing. And it was, it took like 30... It, it took them, like 23 you know? minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. basically... It kind of was like Scarlett two boxers who'd sort of been through it. And we're just like, yeah, just should like, we just call it? Just done. Should we just call it? But it has been helpful. I was actually, when we had a probably a tough time, maybe six months ago, we were going through a little bit of a rough patch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A little patch. I was talking to my sister-in-law and she said something to me. She goes, you know, you know what you've tried being apart from Jesse and you already know how that goes. And I'm actually really glad we had our on again, off again years because that is how it felt because we spent our time apart and we always thought about the other person. It just never... You know, we, we couldn't, no matter how hard we tried, get rid of the other ones. So I'm like, you know, you're right. <laughs> yep, that's great. That's great perspective. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. Yeah, I like that. He always gets you. so awkward when I'm like sentimental in any way. No, or no, about, it's good. That's it's great. Cute. You're cute. It's great. <laughs> Just keep it going. <laughs> I can tell Jesse's like, this is so not what I signed up for. <laughs> Jesse's like, I usually write the this show is, notes, and why is this woman asking this is actually all these pretty questions? Standard. See, this, Jesse's okay. an engineer, and he's it's also fine. not particularly like 
emotive and touchy feely. So I am making him feel uncomfortable. I have my arm around him right now. <laughs> we need a close up photo. Someone come up, take a close up photo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, and it's just going to get more awkward the longer I do it. It will. Yeah. <laughs> The more you yeah. talk about the it, the light too. in his eyes has gone out a little bit. <laughs> do I have to say? <laughs> anyway, back to you. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, how about this? This is um, uh, has some service in it. Um, so, you two travel. I sense a fair bit some for work. Um, sometimes for races, that sort of thing. And someone on Twitter, I think you all noticed that um, someone asked how it is you juggle taking the kids along, because mm. I have to say I took. Uh, the only time I took um, just one of my children to an away race was when I ran Napa Valley Marathon. My I was weaning my first daughter at 14 months, and she was awake and crying from 3 a.m. on, and my husband slept through the whole stinking thing. Yeah, I'm not bitter. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, taking your kids to races sucks. It sure does. A lot. <laughs> and people, people uh, ask us on another yeah. mother runner for advice. I'm like, just leave them home. Yeah, just leave them home. Like, I would yeah. definitely say if you actually care about your performance, uh-huh. you should leave them home if possible with someone. It's yeah. really but awesome to have them there. It is. When you go when you have by a big moment. and give them a high five, yeah. but then the rest of it is totally not worth it. <laughs> So, I mean, it's so short-lived. I mean, yeah. yes, you think, okay, they're going to be a mile 16. That's going to be so awesome. So from 13 that's on, you're so, thinking about it. Yeah. And then it's over in just a, f- and you all are so it much is. faster than I am. So it's really <laughs> over in a flash. So my gosh, at least I have some time to linger well, as I run past well, it's them. Not, so. still not very much time. Yeah. It is, the, you know, it's one of those things. You want everyone that you deeply love to be there for your big moments. And so oh. that's the pull to bring them, you know. And so I do. But I, I think the for me, even... I don't know if there's just, well, a, I just, gone, yeah, we've gone up and back and forth with it. I mean, we re, to, to be perfectly honest, we, uh, Lauren had some big races after Jude. Obviously, I took Jude but, with me to some big ones. Yeah. But a lot of the big races were my races with the kids. And we had, um, Lauren and Jude came to Kona the first year that I went to Kona cause I really wanted them to be there. That being the Ironman world championships, uh, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the Ironman world championships. And we, and then the next year I was like, nah, we're probably good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. um, well actually, and then the next year Zadie, we, Lauren and I missed the timing by a month and Zadie was due like on Kona day on Kona day. Mm. So they, they just weren't going to come anyway. That was so well, that we, was good planning. On your we induced with yeah. a week early to make sure Jesse could be there for the birth. Yeah. Wow. But then they, they both came with me to my last big, big race about a year ago, which was in Germany at a big iron man in Germany. They came and yeah, they we just were magically appeared. The, the, <laughs> it was very much Lauren, like putting the world on her shoulders to bring them over there. I had already been in Germany for like a week and a half mm-hmm. prior to the three or four days before the race that they came out and she bore the brunt of it. I slept in a different room. Nice it was well like, done. it was mm-hmm. a, yeah, I mean, it, it was, but it was very clear that that's how it was going to be set up. It was the biggest, yeah, we ra- negotiated one of the biggest races all in, in my advance. career. Yeah. yeah. And we wanted to be there. Yeah. And it was and, definitely and it was the cool. hardest parenting week probably of my life. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was really hard. Yeah. <clears> just <throat> because of the, the time difference. Yeah. They, the, they just didn't 
nobody slept on the plane over. Oh, and then we got to And you were anyway, by yourself with the two kids. Lot. I was by myself with the two kids, yeah. And how old was Zadie? I don't even remember. Was she, she was like nine young. months, 10 yeah. months or something? Yeah, she was less So than she a was year. just old enough to be annoying, like where she mm-hmm. wouldn't just nurse and fall asleep <laughs> and um, needed to touch everything and grab everything. So I, yeah, and then I didn't sleep at all. And then, <laughs> then we had this little snafu where I thought Jesse was going to pick us up at the airport, but really I had to find my way to an international train that was going to go two more hours to where he was. Oh, that was so fun. It was super fun. We got to see much more Germany. Yeah. It was just one of those like comedy of errors where like the the escalator and the elevator's broken where you need it and you have your double, you know, burly stroller and you're like, yeah, and a huge roller bag. I'm carrying all this stuff and I haven't slept. And then when we finally did get on the train, which we made by five seconds mm-hmm. um <clears throat> i'm getting out just listening to this yeah it was so uh, horrible yeah. i was standing there with zadie on my body she finally falls asleep and i had but i had to stand in order for that to happen mm-hmm. and i caught myself falling asleep standing because my <laughs> head hit the side of the train where i was <laughs> holding on to the side of the train and it's just like so much of traveling with kids is like that. It's like you're carrying the kid and the bag and you got to get from one part of the Denver yep. airport to the complete opposite end of the Denver mm-hmm, airport. Mm-hmm. And of course, you have like five minutes less than you actually need. And yep. so you're running and you're sweating and you think, I can't possibly carry mm-hmm. these things for that much time. And then somehow you do. Exactly. Somehow yep. you just do. And like that has actually completely travel with children has completely changed my perspective on like what I can endure. Like, you know, running endurance is one thing. Child endurance is another because you're (laughs) responsible for their life. So you can go to a completely different level of pain. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I have injured my neck carrying children through airports. (laughs) And the amount of stuff you have to travel with too. Like traveling as a triathlete is like, the worst nightmare because you have like a bike bag and all this other stuff. All and this unexpected kid, stuff happens. With you. you actually can't fit. Like we got to Germany. We anyway. couldn't fit you, me, both kids with the car seats, your bikes, our luggage. Like we couldn't fit it all in any car that was available yep. of any rental place in, Europe. in yeah. Europe. Uh-huh, yeah. Like it was like, well, shit, what are we going to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> two yeah. trips to the airport, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's tough. But it was really special to be there for the race. Yeah, that was, cool. it was completely worth it. I would I would do it again for that. <laughs> I cashed in all of my relationship points on that one and paid for it for months, I, I think, mean, afterwards. You've broken but even it was again. Still, it's fine. It was still probably worth it. <laughs> Wait, yeah. what did you say, Lauren? I said, you've probably broken even now. It's fine. Yeah. It's taking about a year. <laughs> People can't tell when you're kidding because you're so serious. You got such a good deadpan face. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I think there's way more relationship talk than Jesse thought was coming this evening. <laughs> the look on his face is like, uh, yeah. That's actually one of my favorite things about him is when we do our podcast together, I just feel like I really love just being able to be open talking. Are you getting yeah. weird again? No, I'm not. I'm <laughs> just I'm being able to of... talk about our life and, and you know, I just feel like we both really value transparency and yeah. we want to be ourselves and we don't want to have that weird friction feeling of being one thing at home and a different thing to other people. Because even though obviously we're, we're not like Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet or something, but like we're micro, we're micro known in a micro community. And it would just be, I think it would just be, I, I, well, I know because early in social media days, I didn't feel like I had those things aligned as much. Mm-hmm. And um, it just feels way better to just be who you are all the time. 
Well, you don't have to remember your answers because, or how you were when you <laughs> yeah. gave that answer because yeah. you were yourself. Yeah, it's true. Um, totally. It's uh, when my first husband and I uh, were going to um, pre-Cana classes. We got married in the Catholic church. And so you had, and mm-hmm. so I told him the advice I gave him. He was not a Catholic. Is that and, where they give you like the birth control advice? Uh, they, <laughs> that's where they ask um, a room full of people who are Catholic. The only one not was my first husband. And, they, and he was the only one who said, God is love. Um, and no one else had an answer for that one. Oh. So um, anyway, so he, um, I before he had to meet with a priest, I said, um, just don't lie because if you lie, you have to remember what you said. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, you don't want to do that. You, you know, we are uh, constantly invited to be who we are. And if you are that person, then that's who, you know, oh, okay. That, that feels like the answer I would have given back then because it was yeah. the, who I was. Yeah, yeah totally. Mm-hmm. I've, yeah. I've had people come up to us since we started the podcast and they're like, does it feel weird that we like people know stuff about your life? You've mm-hmm. never met me and I'm a ta- I know mm-hmm. everything you've been up to. Yeah, uh-huh. Like, honestly, it's kind of a relief because <laughs> I feel like I don't have to kind of, I don't know, do that dance of of who I am or whatever. Start Although from the beginning. It just then, feels nice. <laughs> then I find, though, that then I have to remember to not repeat the same stories over and over. Uh, I just repeat them. Yeah, we uh, no. So we <laughs> much to Lauren chagrin. <laughs> <laughs> with um, with another mother runner, we used to um do Ragnar relays, and so that we would have a contest, and people would um get get chosen to be on the team. And so Dimity, my business partner, would um be she was in one van, and I was in another. And so then after it was all over, we were driving back to the hotel. And we switched because I hadn't got to spend time with those runners. And so I'm telling some story on the drive. And, and um, one woman, Erin, leans into this other woman, Kelly, and is like, psst, psst. I'm like, oh, what's that? What's that? She goes, oh, I just was saying you've already said that story on the podcast. Uh, whoops. <laughs> you used all your material. I yeah. have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but this is good tonight. I'm getting more. I mean, yeah, fresh, material. Yeah, fresh material. The time I took Augie to a po- you know, podcast recording. The time I talked to Lauren and Jesse. Yeah. So, well, let's open it up to the audience, see if there's questions from there. Cool. You know, we yeah. like talking about work, play, yeah. and love. Oh, That's yeah. right. Yeah. So. All three. That's why yeah. it's called that. Come on, don't and be we shy. can uh, pass a mic around. Which mic yes. should we do? This one. This oh, okay, one. great. If only Augie could do it. Um, could we maybe get... Aaron, could you maybe come up and... Is, raise your hand if you got a question. Come on, don't be shy. Um, it has a nice long cord on it. Oh, thank you. Got maybe you have a question about... Okay, there yes. we go. We got great. a question. Okay. Got one, thank you. don't you. need to feed one to the audience. <laughs> it's good like that. Yeah. Uh, so for picky bars, has there been a flavor or even just an ingredient that you really wanted to work that didn't? Oh, yeah. Um, I'd say yeah. something truly savory. I worked mm. on that for a while. And a lot of people are like, I just don't want something sweet. Um, the closest I could get was Moroccan Your World. has turmeric and ginger and I think has a good balance of savory and sweet. But mm-hmm. and we use sunflower butter for that reason. It's not one of the kind of more desserty type nut butters mm-hmm. but yeah it's that that was hard i spent a lot of time on that yeah and the, i'll add that um we had a chocolate mint bar that we just never quite nailed and and actually bigger even bigger picture than that um we tried to make a, a protein bar like a higher protein bar because anybody that's in the food industry knows that that's what's been selling for like the last four or five years. And, um, 
we just never really got to one not got to one where we thought it like tasted good enough to like yeah. bring it onto the shelf it just I tasted mean, like a chalky hated like all most the ones of on the, the shelf bars and we didn't taste. feel like we did any better <laughs> yeah so yeah but we're working on lots of new stuff now that i'm pretty excited about so hopefully we have a different type of bar coming out pretty soon should be fun yeah a little different nutritional profile yeah nice 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 all right come on don't be shy so my question is um both writing and running inherently can be solitary and very introspective endeavors but it seems like through your partnership both with Loiselle and then through leading wilder you have actually made them very community oriented and so i'm curious if that's been like if you've done that subconsciously or kind of how that's come about and um sort of what you see in like the other women who are both running with Lazelle and writing through Wilder, kind of if they're, you know, moving more towards a community endeavor? That's a great question. Um, thank you. Yeah, I think I've, I think it's kind of selfish in a way, because for me, when I'm starting something new, um, I really lean on community to hold me accountable and to learn as much as I can from different ways of doing it. And so, yeah, I've been running a super long time, but I have never been a not professional athlete. I've never been a person that has to choose to go out and prioritize my run um, when it doesn't, it's not paying the bills, right? And so I need community. I need to learn from people. I need to learn from the group of women on the volley who are doing it while being attorneys or parents or teachers or, or whatever, people who found the sport at 50 or 60 or whatever, like just had a totally different um, experience than me. And, and then with writing, I, it took me a while to find the courage to write. And I've, I've heard of a lot of runners who come to running late who have said something similar about running, that they leaned on community to get started. Maybe it was through team and training. Maybe it was through a running store like Foot Zone here where you, you sign up for a training program. Something to kind of hold you accountable in the beginning until you gain the individual confidence to go at it alone. And that's not to say you have to go at it alone, like you flick some switch and you're like, now I can go at it alone. I think for me, with writing at least, it was one of those things where the community affirmed that this is worthwhile. The community showed me different ways to do it. Now I'm, I already believe that. And now that I have that like unwavering belief, I'm willing to go sit in the chair alone and do it. And then you get the perks of doing it alone as well. And then you can dip back into community, in and out of community as you want, which is great. And so I do that with running and writing. Ideally, I'd love to be able to be individually motivated in both all the time. But, um, you know, I think there's, humans are social creatures. Even the introverts <laughs> need people. <laughs> Teague's got a question. So I think, of, I think of you as a pretty good communicator. I think of Lauren as a pretty exceptional communicator. And I'm curious, as a kid, like in high school, in college, like have you had to grow into that in your guys' relationship? Or has she taught you or whatever? Or have you just had to, is that the like survival? Or <laughs> I'm curious how that's evolved for you. Or were you always that way? Because you are, I mean, you are a good communicator. I would say that I've taught Lauren <laughs> a lot about communicating in relationships, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Um, that that's been the strength I brought to the relationship and not something that she naturally brought that I say in with full love. No, that's true. And, uh, and you know, my support. family screamed yeah. usually. We actually, so a couple quick stories to answer that question. My, I credit my communication uh, to my mom. My mom and I, my mom and uh, my mom and dad got divorced when I was really young 
my little brother moved to live with my dad kind of halfway through our kind of progression as young adults. And I lived with my mom solo for the last like six, five or six years of, of my life before I went to, uh, college and um she was very much like a mom but like a friend and there and so there was this weird like just openness to like my parent that I think was unusual for kids my age that then created this dynamic of not only um communicating with with someone that you have a certain type of relationship with very openly but also communicating with a, a with a woman uh, very openly about my feelings and and what I was going through and so that kind of set the press I, th- I think set the precedent for me personally and then the 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 other kind of end of the s- kind of funny story was the first time I ever went to Lauren's house to go visit her and her family um we <laughs> my family is awesome we, we went, side note yeah, they just they, aren't great they, they, they're awesome but not getting in big screaming matches yeah uh, we we there the within the first couple of days that we were there it, they're they're great people and they're they're very loving it was just like a totally different like family dynamic than i was used to like kind of yelling and like screaming when there was like anger and stuff and that that's like how they figured out what you know how they were feeling about each other and um there was one point where we had been there and i was like i we walked outside and i was like just so you know like this is not how i want my family to communicate <laughs> like we actually had that conversation when well i was like 20 years old or kids yeah and um jesse was shell-shocked i was, <laughs> he was in was my just, living room just like i'm like don't worry they always call each other a-holes it doesn't mean anything it was just totally dad storms different. out the door slams the screen i'm like he'll be back in like 15 minutes yeah. he's just like and he was and he would <laughs> and he yeah. would and, and we you know but yeah it was it was shocking to me and so i think <laughs> I, but so I, in all fairness to myself and to Lauren, I do think that there are times when Lauren still slides into that fleshman side and there's like She's some anger that isn't fully processed when it comes out. And I am very much more of the kind of like internalize, 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 think, 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 think. Here's what I think I'm feeling and communicating more level headed. And so we've had to, you know, figure out how to feather between those two. Yeah, I would say relationship yeah. communication was something I definitely didn't get a gold star in until Jesse. I think communication, being able to communicate like my passions and kind of thinking about ideas or team captainship, motivating athletes, that kind of thing always came naturally to me. And I just enjoyed it. But yeah, relationships, I, I'm very grateful because I feel I, I'm happy with the goals we have and like i'm really i'm proud of myself for the improvements i've made being married to jesse um, and the, and and i've certainly learned from lauren too like there's sides of it where you sometimes you don't always want to be uh you don't always want to like overly internal internally process and create like kind of logical feedback like some sometimes you do need to just like get out the emotion and the, the passion of what you're feeling to actually fully communicate i think what you're feeling and so there there are so there are parts of that that I've learned from Lauren too. I've learned how to yell when I need to, when I should. Well, like when we've had those conversations mo- of like, what you are you yell. feeling? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. He's like, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, but it makes me feel like you don't care when you think about exactly. it for seven days. Yeah. <laughs> yep. TMI? Yeah. No, fabulous, fabulous. All right, we got another question. Yeah. 
I guess on that same note, how do you cheerlead each other through race training and getting to the start line, the finish line, and being the best version of a cheerleader to each other? Good one. You want to kick that one off? Um, you know, it's it's funny. I feel like you, you have to – we both have to walk a line of – you know, ultimately it's exactly what you said. It's it's being a cheerleader. You, but you have to walk a line as uh, as – somebody that's also professionally employed in the business, like as a, as a professional athlete, it's easy to, you, you have experience and expertise. And so it's to a certain extent, we have to be careful that we're not, um, I wouldn't say like coaching, but like giving kind of like professional level advice to the person that you, that it's similar to what Lauren said with the, um, her kind of putting on the wife hat for the bi- for the business conversations. Sometimes I just need like a support person, and I think we have to const- we have to remind ourselves about that as well from the athletic side. Because Lauren will come back and be like, "Oh, my workout was you know crappy or whatever. My hamstring hurts," and I kind of like go into like athlete mode. Well, here's what you should do. Blah blah blah. Kind of solving the problem as opposed to, "Hey, that's I'm really sorry that that happened," and I'll just pat you on the back or whatever <laughs> hopefully do something better than that this is me showing how a hug usually <laughs> works oh, yeah. hug, pretty good, would be good. <laughs> so um, uh, but yeah i don't know you probably have a better answer but that's that's my two cents no i I, I think um i actually i i love being able to cheer you on like that race in roth yeah that was germany fun. was super fun once i got there and um it's just really, it's just so special when someone's been working really hard for something and you've had a front row seat the whole time and you get to watch them do it. I think that there's a, a key thing you have to do in partnership though, which is like, just like anything else in a partnership, you want to be mindful of how much you're asking of the other person. And so you're naturally going to need to ask for more when you're training for a big event, right? Um but it's not a free pass to ask for everything under the sun either. If you want to maintain a feeling of like equity and mutual respect in your relationship, you just want to ask for the things that you really need and make sure you're still showing up for them um, and not just being the taker the whole time. Um, And I think if one person models that through a training cycle really well, it just naturally at least in our relationship, it, it mirrors back when the other person's doing it really nicely. Um, so I don't know if that answers the question very well, but that's kind of what I think about it. So I just try to be a little bit careful what I ask for when I cash in my, my chips. And, um, and then when I do, Jesse knows I really need him. Um, all right, well, let's wrap it. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was fantastic. Thank you for being so candid and open. Thank you Absolutely. for the invitation. Yeah. It yeah, was a pleasure. So and thank you, everybody who came and yes. watched a live podcast. I've yeah. never done this before. Yes. And thank you, Chloe Stone. Let's thank hear you. for the crowd. Yes. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> thank you. Our podcast was recorded in Bend, Oregon, and produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles to you all. Yay!